voice assistant expectations, and the FCC does something long overdue. This is Mac Voices. This edition of Mac Voices is brought to you by the Mac Voices Slack, available to all patrons of Mac Voices. Sign up today at patreon.com slash macvoices. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. This Mac Voices live panel started off with a discussion of Amazon's losses on Alexa, and that turned into a rather intense discussion of voice assistants, where we stand with them, how they meet our expectations, and a whole lot more. We also touch on something that the FCC finally got around to that should have been done a long time ago. Let's go back and let the panel do the talking. Hey, Chuck. Um, yeah. Like many people, I set my expectations too high for voice assistants. Uh, when they when we first started getting these things, like you, I quickly realized I had set my expectations too high. So then I adjusted them really low. Like, like my expectation is when I tell a voice assistant to turn on a light or set a timer, that it will do that. And yet, I am routinely disappointed by uh, my voice assistants because the the amount of time that I have to spend, like standing in a room saying the same thing over and over and over until the voice assistant uh, responds and then actually does the thing, it's it's ridiculous. I, on one hand, I don't get why I even tolerate having these in my house. On the other hand, I totally understand because I really want to be in the middle of all this and watch the evolution. Um, yet, if if I was living with some, like say say my parents had to move in because they're older, I I would just start pulling my uh, smart speakers out of all the rooms and and all that would just be in my office so that no one would ever have to interact with this hellstorm that I've created with the voice assistants. I I uh, want to comment on Brett's comment in the chat about using a smart assistant to book travel or um, order takeout. I, I disagree with that. I don't want to do those things. I would prefer not to do that audibly with a person if I could get away with it. Um, you know, how many times you, you try to do something with a person and, and that doesn't work very well. You have miscommunications. I'd much rather, for example, go to a website and be able to see, oh, here's all my choices. Boom. Here's my cart that shows me. And, you know, there's no, you know, if you call up a restaurant and, you know, you're like, wait, did I order that already? Or, you know, did you get that? Let me read that back to you. All that baloney. That doesn't even work very well with a person. But so, to to I don't I don't want to do that by speaking period whether it's with a person or a smart assistant. Well Jim that's something that that Google is already doing with Google Home. And uh, and the way it works is it, it has to be on both ends. So uh you're deep in the Google ecosystem so your uh, everything about your schedule is there when you when you say okay G lady um set um I, I went to have dinner on Tuesday evening at this restaurant with Jim. Then um 
the restaurants end is also hooked into the whole Google system. So now you have these two assistants negotiating to figure out when to make that happen. And then uh, and then linking out to your calendar to make sure we get the right time that works for both of us and the restaurant. And then it's all done. So on one hand, it, it's really the Star Trek stuff or the Apple Knowledge Navigator stuff that we're hoping for. The other side of that is, at least for now, the only way to do it is to make sure that everyone in the system is using Google's tools <laughs> And giving Google full access to all of your information. Well, first of all, that isn't going to work. But that that that, well, it's that working isn't ever, really that, that well. isn't ever going to happen. You know, somebody that's booked a a restaurant that way. Yeah, yeah. Who? Have you uh, done it? I have not. I do not have enough of my stuff linked into Google to make that work. Um, you know, and I, I don't I, know any restaurants around here that are set up to do that. But yeah, I have a friend that I'm, I'm has still done it, and, and for them, it's like it. magic. I don't, I don't want to do it that way, um, because it's not going to, it's never going to be any better than dealing with a human to do the same thing. And I don't want to. I'd rather not do it with a human. I'd rather, you know, if the if the restaurant's going to have some smarts, I'd rather have that be a website that mm-hmm. I, that works. I would prefer that because yeah. I'm more, you know, I would rather work visually than to try to try to work um well that's totally reasonable yeah that's all, isn't that called open table i'm not saying that doesn't exist i'm okay. but I'm, I'm saying brett was saying you know the, the full potential of these assistants would be to do those sort of things and I, and what i'm saying is i don't want to do those things even if they could do that i i do not want to use my voice to book travel arrangements. But Jim, I'm not, uh, I hear you, but, and I, from the reliability standpoint, I, I agree with you, but I know plenty of people that would love to be able to do that just because they're basically lazy and they aren't as tech savvy as we are, or they would be using OpenTable more. But, you know, most, a lot of the people I know don't even know what OpenTable is, let alone use it. Yep. And also, Open table, at least from my experience, is is notorious for saying there are no tables available until 10 p.m. But if I call and talk to the maitre D, oh yeah, we can get you in at six, seven, and eight. Mm-hmm. Well, for uh, one thing, you're just sort of proving my point because you know if Siri could do that, it's going to have to run through a back end that's essentially going to be have the same information that Open Table has. So. If if you can't reliably determine things like whether there's a table available, then you know you're not going to be able to do that by voice. That's not somehow just because it's done by voice. It's not going to magically have better backend information. Um, but, you know yeah. what you're saying is that right now we can call and talk to a human at the restaurant, and that human has better information because they haven't built you know a system, which is not surprising. Um, that perfectly and captures captures the information about what's available at that restaurant. Making a voice assistant is not going to solve that problem. I, but Jim, I don't know why the open table. Well, I don't know why I'm having to call a human. You know, I, I mean, because and and this experience again, based idi- completely idiosyncratically on me, is that 
the restaurants that that happens most often with are consistent. The restaurants that, you know, there are restaurants I've used Open Table with, and I get a completely satisfying experience. I have a the, hypothesis. Now, where do you think the information in Open Table comes from? Well, I, it, has I would to, think, it has to come from people at the restaurant feeding the information in, and they're not is, doing it. But yeah, but is there a reason that they're not doing it? I don't, I don't know what it is. Jeff, can you answer it? Why? Why? Because they're lazy. Well, yeah, uh, no, that. not because they're lazy. Um, and and this hypothesis is based on talking with people that work at a restaurant where I've had the the same experience you've had, Chuck. And uh, and at least some restaurants are holding back some of their tables from open table. Other restaurants put all of their their tables in. So um uh there so yes, there are restaurants where open table will say, yeah, there's nothing until 10 o'clock tonight. And when you call, they say, oh yeah, uh do you want seven, seven thirty or eight? Because right. they've held back a certain number of tables, they can do those reservations themselves. And it also gives them the ability to have walk-ins. And so it's garbage in, garbage out, like every other piece of software or every other service out there. But if it was done via Siri, it would be the same thing. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, it's, I mean, it's interesting that some restaurants are tab are sabotaging the the app experience and that and most likely would well, sabotage the, uh, I, the, the, the restaurants ha system. have to pay open table a cut right mm -hmm. i don't know how that works i, I guess they do. yes yes they do yeah so it's in their interest if they can sell fill the table some other way to not use open table they, they have a financial incentive to book the reservation directly so they do you know, yeah. one thing I would love to see, and uh, and since I'm not deep in Google's ecosystem, I can't do this. But the thing where you have uh, where, where you have your Google Assistant book an appointment for you with a uh, company that doesn't have the the matching back end, where it does the thing where where the where a Google artificial voice calls the establishment, talks to a human, negotiates the whole thing for you. And uh, and supposedly it's supposed to work so well that uh, that people on the at, that are working at the businesses don't realize unless the the Google system says this is an automated uh, AI calling you, they have no idea they're talking to an AI. Well, I have a hard time the, believing I, that, but I would love I, to see it. I, you on know, this is point. this is the same thinking that got us at the start of you know this discussion about voice assistants. Mm -hmm. That's just not true. That's marketing baloney from Google. And you know, the thing is, you know, if I call the restaurant directly and I say I want seven o'clock, and they could say, you know what, we've got six forty-five or seven fifteen, then I could do that. But if, if it's through an automated system, you're never going to be able to, you know, have that kind of a back and forth. And yet Google on the other hand, if that their web, system if is doing that. Hence, I would love to see it actually. Okay. Well, well, Jeff, yeah, on that, I, I think it was last year or maybe two years ago, like when Google at their developer conference in mid-year, they showed all this thing off. They showed out what purported to be their system calling a restaurant. And then a couple of days later, they got busted because it was all it was all just bogus. It was all made up. Um, 
Now, so, see, that's just so crappy that they would do that. I, I'm sh- oh, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. That shocked. <laughs> well, and it still gets it still amazes me that anybody tries sarcastic. to pull this stuff. You know, yeah, I mean, I I know, but it it still amazes me that anybody even tries to pull that kind of thing because there are just there are too many people out there that are asking questions. Well, and it um, sets them up. It's in this case, Google. It sets them up for failure because yeah. now they've created this expectation in their uh, user base that they can do this thing, and uh, and when it doesn't work, now they're pissed off at Google. And if you well, what if you have this a service it. that Google's going to discontinue after two years. Yeah, and see, there's like every, another like, right like there. every other service yeah. they they come out with. Yeah, well, there's that. Brett in the chat room clarifies his points. He says, I see this working more like Siri having access to apps. If I want to order food, I can tell Siri what I want, and it just passes the that, that along to the restaurant's app to complete the order. Um, and so again, Brett, I see I see your point, and but that assumes that everybody in that chain from Siri right through to the restaurant is going to have everything integrated. And I think that's one of the, uh, the no, no, Chuck. I, I I interpreted what he said a little bit differently. I think okay. he's talking about Siri interacting with an app that the restaurant business had offered. So Siri only needs to interact with the app. And you gotta okay. assume that the app, you know, if a restaurant chain you know, McDonald's or Shake Shack or something, you know, that uh, they offer Chipotle, that if they offer an app, that it that it will function correctly. And all you need is the Siri to be able to interact with it, which um, I'm not sure. I, I think, I don't know if Apple has fully opened up Siri yet, like Alexa did. So again, that's maybe a way Alexa, you might have, you know, grabbed a chunk of commerce that uh, is going through it. Well, uh, Alexa is open, but not in that way. And, you know, I think for something like that to happen, you know, somebody would have to come up with a standard of here's how, all, you know, all restaurants can, you know, uh, you know, communicate what their availability is. And they'd all have to do it the same way, or at least there'd have to be some sort of meta language that, you know, describes. And, and you know, that is like so far from 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 happening. I mean, there's there's no technical reason why it couldn't happen. but um, it's you know, it just takes a huge investment up up and down the the chain. That you know, it probably will happen eventually, but it might be 20, 20 years or something like that um, before it happens. And I think you know, again, okay, that's great if it's a restaurant that I know and you know I know exactly what I want. But you know, I usually want to look at the menu and see what the choices are. Um, and you know, what's worse than a phone tree? Um. <laughs> yeah, and I I kind of agree with you, Jim. I mean, food ordering may be one of the more difficult things, simply because if if I want a burger, okay, do I want ketchup? Do I want mustard? Do what? Do I want onions? Do I want right. pickles? Do I want it well done? Um, yeah, you know, do I want the ciabatta roll or do I want the plain roll? You know, I mean, you can just go on and on and on. And and if if you think burgers are bad, think about pizza. You know, that'll drive you crazy. So. You know, I, I, I think it comes down to how efficient can it be? And, you know, maybe it'll get there, but, you know. So what Brett's asking, Apple already did it. They showed this off several years ago and uh, uh, in keynotes. And 
it's it's something that developers have to add into their apps to have the the Siri integration. That's why you can order an Uber from your Apple Watch with your voice or your iPhone with your voice. The problem is that for whatever reason, developers haven't widely adopted this. I'm assuming it's because uh, uh, there's something on the back end that actually makes it difficult for developers to do. And uh, and so until whatever it is that needs to be addressed is, I don't see it widely adopted. But saying, yeah, we're 20 years away from this. No, we've had it for a few years already. And it works when it's um, implemented right. Actually, you mentioned a special case. There's certain special cases of Siri capabilities and rideshare is one of them. So Apple built a rideshare vocabulary essentially into Siri. And, you know, because all rideshares are the same. I want to go from here to there. That's it. Mm -hmm. And so there's not, you know, I want pickles or not. Do I want oh yeah, that's know, not ketchup there. or not? Um, it's just I want to ride. And so that got built into Siri. So that's why those have that and these other things don't. I do think I misunderstood Brett because I guess he was talking about an app on his phone that yeah. he wanted to, to talk to. And I, I was imagining talking directly to the restaurant. But, but you know, even there, it's the same problem because, you know, so, okay, there's, you know, Jersey Mike's has an app and, you know, XYZ Pizza has an app. Well, they don't have a consistent ordering flow and 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 all that um that you know can be used and then lots of places have only websites but even if you just restrict yourself to, to apps there's no you know somebody's got to step in and say oh well here's a standard to do a, a food ordering app and you know otherwise it's just never can happen um and we can't I even think, get the we can't even get the medical industry to agree on a standard form <laughs> of records, which is a lot more critical than ordering it, your favorite burger. It's it's so. a very, very difficult problem. But yeah. there's much more billions of dollars at stake in the medical industry. You know, and maybe there's as much. Well, in, and so people are trying to do it there. I mean, there I, again, are, you know. I think, again, I think, I think the point is that, you know, saying that, you know, this is impossible until we have a general industry standard Screw that. That's never going to work. You know, what needs to happen is you need somebody who's going to make an app that's really good, that everyone loves, and then they're going to realize, okay, we can do it. It's sort of like, you know, people talk about, uh, you know, burger joints like Five Guys or In-N-Out that, or McDonald's or Burger King. They have their standard, whatever it is, and then, you know, kind of if you're a customer, what comes with it, and then you could add or subtract. Oh, I want... Uh, I want uh, you know uh, mustard instead of lettuce, and I like extra pickles. Or, you know, so you know. Again, I think that puts it back on the app developer and the vendor. And yeah, it's well, going to be different between different companies, but um, I think that's the only way this is really going to you know. Well, accelerate. so what you're suggesting is that the app vendor would have to build a voice assistant capability into the app, because no, 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 no yes, no, no Mark, yes, because. At, if every app works differently, there's no way for Siri to work with it. But, but okay, okay, so I so I don't know how how so I don't know if you can add 
So again, this goes back to our original discussion about Alexa. One of the things it had is the idea of skills and different people could add different skills. Yeah, I don't Siri doesn't Siri really still so locked down for that. Well, okay, then until Siri and until Apple enables a way that somebody could empower, you know, a certain set of words, you know, pickles, lettuce, relish, onions. Uh, you know that uh, you know that could be uh, dealt with. You know, in, in within a, within an app, uh, it's probably perpetually just going to be uh, either you either doomed to an imaginary Alexa, or it's just uh, not going to be moving as forward as you know people would like. You know, based on uh, the discussion here in the panel tonight. Mark, you read my mind on the Alexa skills, and and uh, I think the irony here is that that Amazon has the best shot with the with a lady skills of giving us that uh, that pipe dream idea of being able to order from a restaurant and order what what we want the way we want it and it will be that company making a uh, uh an Alexa skill that has all of that built in but now you have to learn how to talk for that specific right. Alexa skill, which is the problem with with uh, with a lady anyhow, because it's not about training the the device; it's about training us to say things the way the device will understand. Yeah, I was going <sighs> to say that the way Alexa skills works is yeah, you basically have, you have to, to train learn. the user. It's, uh-huh. it, you know, it's very regimented. It's very there's no AI aspect in our natural language. It's it's just a menu system that you can't see, but you have to conform to exactly. Yeah, and if you ever if you ever got off the track, you're like you have to start over. Um, yeah, it's sort of like it goes back 25 years uh, when I had a friend, or actually a friend of my brother's, was working at uh, a well-known, very successful, you know, voice response system. And basically, you know, their API is you know you could recognize okay, do they hit a star or a pound or a one? Uh, and then based on whatever that is, you'd have to develop all the conditional logic on, you know, what it is, you know, the app should say and, uh, you know, how to proceed them forward in a in a scripted fashion. So it sounds like a Siri is in a similarly primitive way, except the primitives are words instead of uh, keys on a keypad. But basically, you would have to have the menu memorized. This gets back to, I want to use the app. I want to look and say, oh, what are the choices at this restaurant? I don't have all the you know, choices of a restaurant memorized, and I don't always want the same thing every time. So let me scroll through and like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. You know, I can't do that by voice. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, that's the old press one for ketchup, press two for pickles. <laughs> Okay, so hey, I want to take this in another direction um, because we're, we're we've beaten this this part of it to death. But I, but and and Webb, I, I want I want to get you and Eric in here uh, because you guys have been pretty quiet, and, and David too. Um, David's sitting up there looking stoic. Um, so I'm going to ask you three to start the conversation. Is Alexa too important to Amazon to just let it go, to let it fail? They have sold a whole lot of devices. On the on the premise that a they're either Alexa only, or and and I'm thinking about the dots and I don't, the the uh, the Echo shows and you know all those, um, and they've sold a lot of thermostats 
based on, you know, having Alexa built in. They've sold a bunch of Fire TVs based on Alexa being built in. Can they afford to just say, we're not developing, we're going to let Alexa go? Webb, start us off. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think so. I, I think that uh, uh, what, what Amazon's going to have to do is really kind of rethink what they want Alexa to do. Um, uh, I, I think that there are a lot of things that uh, um, I, I'm going to say groundbreaking, but everyone on this panel could argue that it wasn't all that groundbreaking, but they've done a lot of groundbreaking things uh, uh, just to get the device into the house. Um, so I, I think it, it's, uh, it's, it's here to stay. Um, I also thought that, that Twitter wasn't going to be shutting down next week either, but who knows? I could be wrong on that just as well. But yeah, I, I, I think that uh, um, what, what was it that, that one of us said that uh, uh, at this point, we're probably just a little disappointed that it doesn't have that pure, natural human interaction that, that, that we want, the Star Trek uh, communicator type thing. We're not there yet, but uh, uh, I think they're getting there. Uh, um uh, you know, I, I think one of the things that disappoints me about the HomePod, aside from the $700, um, was that uh, it, it didn't have that, uh, um, what did you call it? the skills that, that Alexa does. And you couldn't take the uh, HomePod and just kind of expand what you wanted it to do. So that's been kind of disappointing. Um, uh, I, I, so I think Alexa's here to stay. I, I think they still got a, a pretty good base. I, okay. Eric? I agree with that. I, I oh, agree. David, that, okay. I, I don't okay. see. I don't see. Uh, sorry. I, I don't. I don't see um, Amazon letting this go at all because it's just. It's just too big. Um, I have all three in my house, so I, I experience. I have the experience of you know with Siri, Google, and and Hey Lady, and you know I, I see flaws in all three. Um, the. Uh, the, the Amazon device does give you a little more flexibility. I think the skills are 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 better. There, there's some more crazier ones than than more useful ones in some in some cases. Uh, but uh, I think that Amazon, I don't think is going to abandon this. I think this this you know this story is just kind of okay. Yeah, they're going to be losing ten billion dollars, but is it going to be worth it to them in the long run? Yeah, they're laying off, also laying off ten thousand employees. So. Do, do, do you know where Amazon's going to go with this? Well, uh, I just don't see it disappearing. They continue to, like you said, sell tons of uh, uh, Echo devices. And uh, I mean, heck, I just I just bought the Echo Show, the, the one for 35 bucks, just because I want to look at it and play it to see what it does. I mean, because it's got a screen. I've got the, the Google. I have one on my desk right now. Yeah, I've got the Google one sitting right next to me here that I use all the time. I love the fact of being able to send a send a video from my computer to that so I have it on the side while I'm working on something so it's out of my way. So, you know, they they've got they've got a lot of the value to the, the, the those kind of things as well as the voice part of it. I mean, the voice part does work. I mean, I've got I, I have a Google uh, Nest uh, doorbell and you know that camera works pretty well. I mean, but it has its flaws and I got people. Uh, hundred feet away walking past my door outside of my door and tells me there's somebody at my door there's a little bit of a problem having to make some you know adjustments and the same thing with the voice assistants they're they need to they need to improve and they've they've come a long way because i've had an an echo device probably since it started i still have the cylinder one sitting in my bathroom that i use we use every morning to listen to 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 a radio or or any music or take a shower so uh, they work really well so i mean but uh, yeah, I don't see it. I don't see it going anywhere anytime soon. 
Eric? I think for people that haven't used the the Amazon devices are they're good enough for what they need right now. They might wish to have some improvements, but it's it's adequate and they'll continue to use them. Um you you know, I I could see them maybe cutting down on marketing not coming out with new versions of the devices. They would still continue to work. That would let them buy a little bit of time and you know wait for more changes and uh, you know you don't need three new models over the next year to still be able to sell the devices um but i i think voice <clears throat> devices will continue to be popular for me i i just use the audio portions of them so and and i'm happy with what i've got I, I think that's the case with a lot of people. Okay. Mark, too, is this a case of too big to fail or too big to let fail? I, I think so. I, I think strategically it's important. And I, I think that a lot has been built into really juicy, salacious headlines. You know, I suspect out of that 10,000, you know, they're firing. When I, when I actually, you know, go and search for other things and say, oh, there's going to be things in fulfillment and retail and other things. So I think that may be a total purge based on, you know, underperforming, you know, drumming out, you know, uh, low performing employees, as well as low performing employees, as well as maybe some strategic employees at Alexa that, you know, maybe they don't meet as need as many languages as they're doing or, whatever i don't know how their team is organized but uh you know i think that uh uh just by you know what what david and jeff were saying there's there's so many devices out there that have these things that they use alexa that you know i don't think they can uh, just uh yank it from the market so i think it's probably more right sizing and focusing its mission on what it's doing best instead of you know, all the, they must have had, you know, all sorts of other bets, you know, that are not paying off. And, uh, you know, as we're going into maybe a recession or lean times, you know, the, you know, Amazon is certainly looking to, uh, you know, prune and focus and boost its profitability. But I think it'd be a disaster for them if they just, uh, you know, killed it entirely. I, I would agree. Um, Jeff Brett says the whole uh, the whole Echo ecosystem is about to get a lot more valuable as the matter Internet of Things standards go into use. Think that's um, an accurate statement. I, I, um, yeah, maybe. Um, the uh, okay, so here here's here here's the thing. Um, Amazon is doing a really good job of integrating all of these different things across all of the devices that they're making now. So you get, uh, uh, you're getting matter, uh, across, uh, echo devices, plus, uh, it's there on the, on the Eero devices and, uh, and I believe on the, uh, echo B now as well. So, yeah, uh, Amazon's all in on on matter, and I think that's a smart move because if you're going to uh, to try and create a ubiquitous system that uh, that keeps people in your ecosystem, well, there you go. And um, 
presumably that also means that uh, Amazon will be investing resources in making sure that what they need on the back end for the A lady to interact more easily with all these matter devices is there. Um, but yeah, the whole idea that you can buy a couple echoes and extend your your network and uh, and then immediately have matter support. Um, I mean, that's that's pretty cool, especially at the price point Amazon has for their products. Today's Mac Voices is supported by the Mac Voices Slack. The Mac Voices Slack is where you can connect with the members of the Mac Voices Live panel and other Mac Voices patrons. Get in on the discussions, agree or disagree with our opinions, and get your voice heard. Sign up at patreon.com slash macvoices. And thanks for supporting Mac Voices. So is there any chance that matter has is there any chance matter has a chance of improving the reliability of any or all of these devices? No. Because theoretically now they will be held to a particular standard. Well, the standard they're they're being held to is uh is just a basic communication protocol standard so that that uh devices that previously couldn't talk uh to each other can so th- this is a thing that makes uh that that makes home kit more accessible really because uh uh apple is supporting matter as well and uh and now it just it becomes easier as consumers to buy the internet of things and smart home devices that you want because you're not trying to read fine print on a package or on a website to figure out if this one works with the ecosystem that you're in. Okay. It doesn't have anything to do with the voice assistant figuring out what you're saying. No, it doesn't. But but once, assuming it has figured out what you're saying, then it's got to go actually do something. Like if you say, turn on the light, well, how does that happen? And And actually a lot of that is not uh uh on Amazon or uh Apple it's on the device maker right to make yeah so you you can get a matter device that performs like crap because the manufacturer wrote crappy code and uh, and now it doesn't matter if you're using the A lady the S lady or the G lady to talk to it it's just not going to work right but at least it's standardized repeatable crap there you go. So it will be equally crap on all platforms. Okay. So Clara, Jeff, just clarify that. I want to make sure that the folks understand this. So if I ask the the G lady to turn on my light, mm-hmm. the G the G lady is is going back to the the G servers and doing the magic. Just like if I ask the S lady to do it, it's going back to the S lady servers to do the magic. There's no, that's all. It's just, it's the fact that now the devices will be able to, to, to communicate across all those standards. I mean, did I ask that question properly? Did that make sense? Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, th- okay. this is the equalizer that that lets you be frustrated when you talk to your devices, no matter what platform you're on. Oh, thank you. That, that thanks for that that bright spot. But if the device works well, and and the developers code did their code well, 
then um, great. And actually, when I said it will it will perform poorly across all platforms, not necessarily because if they write their their code for uh, um, Google, but not uh, uh, but uh, well, they write their code well for Google, but not for Apple. Well, then you can still have a better experience on one platform or well, the other. But isn't isn't this about not doing that? Doesn't matter how all these like. You know, say a light switch, a basic light switch, it's on, it's off. Um, doesn't matter. You know, that's all it can do. And, you know, at the at the end of these assistants, or even let's say I want to turn the light on and off from the phone. Forget assistant. I'm going to have a shortcut on my phone or press a mm-hmm. button on a phone. So the question is, how does the phone talk to the light switch? Right. And. Up till now, there's been multiple, you know, Philips out there way and, you know, X10 back in the day. And, you know, there wasn't a standard for how devices could talk to a light switch to tell it to turn on and off. Mm-hmm. So what this system is, is a standard way so that any light switch that supports matter from any manufacturer will work with any controlling device that supports matter. So your phone, your computer, a voice assistant, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. So the point is we've gotten to the point where we know I want to turn, you know, we want to turn that light off or on. And so now we've got to get from here to there, how, you know, send that command. We know the command that, so we, we you know, the whole point about recognizing the voice, that's, you know, that's assumed. This is just how how can we, um, you know, one device control another, and you know this kind of goes back to what I was saying about uh, restaurants that you need a standard. Well, this is the same thing. You need a standard to control devices, and mm-hmm. so everybody's finally recognized that we all have to agree because you know customers aren't buying this because they're so confused. Um, and so it took years and it's still, you know, I'm not quite believing it till I, you know, actually see it, you know, in action, but that's the, you know, so, so for each different, I think they have a bunch of different classes, like there's a thermostat class. And, uh, and so for each one of those classes, there's a recognized, here's the things those can do so that anything that control the thermostat can talk to any thermostat from any, you know, and there is no, it doesn't matter if it's in the Amazon ecosystem or the ring ecosystem or the, you know, Phillips ecosystem or the nest ecosystem, they all work the same. Um, yes, that's my understanding. And, uh, and also now, um, thank you for giving me homework because, because I always (laughs) need more homework. Um, I read something somewhere along the way. And so now I have to go do the research to uh, to either say ah here's the thing that uh, we were both missing Jim or to say you're absolutely right Jim, um, but, um, I, but I read a thing at some point that said that uh, that all oh, the basic functionality that yes what you just described is exactly it but there are advanced functionality features that that uh, manufacturers can do that. Uh, that go a little bit beyond that that basic stuff and that's where we can get functionality that works right on one platform versus another uh, yeah, and, that makes so sense I mean, there's always and... going to be 
there's always going to be, I mean, it's, you can't really make a standard until you have something that has been done over and over again, and we understand it and know the problem. So anytime you do something new, it's by definition not going to be non-standard. So as we figure out new things, it's going to push out. And hopefully, you know, if the standard is designed correctly, they'll be able to incorporate these things into the standard as it goes forward. But I, I believe, and ideally, for a lot of the things that people have been already doing with IoT devices for years, they will be fully in the standard. Certainly light switches. Okay, certainly maybe thermostats, that's what I got Certainly, you know, security cameras. Um, you know, classes of things that we know about. Um, they'll be there and they'll fully work day one cross compatibility, hopefully. Okay. I bet that's what I was reading. And uh, there's just so much stuff to try and keep on top of. Yeah. Thank, thank you for keeping me honest, Jim. <laughs> that's not my goal. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. No, babysitting me, that's no one's goal. <laughs> hey, guys, this has been a great discussion. I do want to throw one other thing in real quick, because um, I'm not even sure there's much to to, uh, to comment on here. Um I'll throw it in the chat room right now. Whoops. Yeah, that's right. I think. Um, oh, sorry, this, time's up, Chuck. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, threw in the Instapaper link, but I think that'll still be good um, for you to pull it up if you want. Why won't it go? Yeah, it's there. Sorry. To go to the, uh, yeah, it went to the private chat room. I can't get it to go to the YouTube chat room. So, all right, I'll 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 catch up with this. But basically... Um, I want to send a special hello to our friends at the FCC who apparently have listened to Mac Voices Live and listened to our complaints about the uh, the ISPs. And now they are they are introducing new rules that will require ISPs to display easy to read and understand labels that show key facts about their products at the point of sale. Amen. I, what Monique said. Yes. So. Thank you, FCC. We will come up with our next suggestions um, in two weeks so that you can then implement those. And we will act as your yeah. consult consultants here because that is really good news. And I am dying to see what uh, what it comes out with, you know, just to see what how the ISPs respond to this and, and what kind of obfuscation tactics they will engage in next. And let's just hope that no political turkey in the FCC you know, botches this and kills it and uh, sets it all back. Nice Thanksgiving reference, Mark. I like that. <laughs> I'm trying, trying to stay on top of it. Wouldn't it be awesome if the side effect of this was uh, all of a sudden all these ISPs start saying, hey, we're changing some of our, our uh, plans and this is going to be even better for you. And we're doing it because we love you customers, <laughs> but really it's a, uh, it's a thing about uh, uh, making the, the obfuscated crap that, uh, that we're paying for that we don't need. They're making that go away. So they don't have to have uh, uh, bad looking labels. Yeah. I, well, we, we will see. Yeah, we I was. See. If you don't mind, yeah. Chuck, I I was going to say the link I put in earlier in our chat in Zoom here, uh, that the broadband map that F the FCC put together um, is uh, pretty amazing. You can go and shows the United entire United States. You can type your address in, brings it down to the what exact ISPs are available in your area, as well as tells you what the the speeds that are available as well. Yeah. 
and it gives a way that you can submit corrections. And corrections, right? It's not really anywhere near whatever megabits they said it was. And you can yeah. upload you can upload a um, a document that shows what you actually got for speeds, and it'll get logged against your address. It's really nice. Yep. So there you go. I just I was finally able to get both of those thrown in the uh, the YouTube chat room. So folks use those as your point of reference. And of course, I'll have them for the folks who are listening later. I'll have those in the show notes. I knew the Amazon Alexa thing was going to generate a lot of discussion. I didn't anticipate it generating quite this much discussion, <laughs> but at the same time, I think it was, it was, I'd like to think an intelligent examination of the situation and where we are. Um, and so stay tuned. We'll see what happens. Uh, let's go around the room. Let folks know where they can find you. And then we'll wish everybody a th happy Thanksgiving and get out of here. Um, so taking my screen now and they juggle around on me. So now, David Ginsburg is in the seat of the angels. David, good to have you. Where he belongs. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, show us your wings, David. Yeah, um, I'm flat. Yeah. Uh, uh, thanks for having me, Chuck. You can find me at InTouchWithiOS at InTouchWithiOS.com. My YouTube channel is YouTube.com slash InTouchWithiOS. I'm on the Mac show on uh, Fridays on the British Tech Network, as well as here on Tuesdays. Uh, you can find me on Macedon at... Uh, Macedon.cloud uh, at DaveG65, as well as Twitter, DaveG65, and uh, in touch with iOS. Thank you. Thank you, David. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Mr. Ray, you have shown up in the top row now all of a sudden. I'm not sure how you got there, but you made it. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> okay. Um, uh. after, after that, where can we find you? Uh, well, you can definitely find me uh, at the website for my company, ProView.com, P-R-O-V-U-E. Um, and uh, at the moment, you can still find me on Twitter at ProViewGym. Um, and I was thinking, you know, maybe I'm I, I on micro.blog. I should, I'm not sure. What, I, think it, I think it might be James Ray. I'm not sure. Not sure. Not sure where you, I'm on there, but I don't know how you can find me. Um, just ask somebody on micro.blog. They'll help. Just go on there and say, where's Jim? Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> it's hard to find people on micro.blog. That's it probably won't work. <laughs> hey, thanks. Thanks so much for being here, Jim. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes. Mr. Gamut. Um yeah, I don't even know what to say about you. Just happy Thanksgiving. Where can yeah. folks find you? <laughs> That's, yeah, I, I totally get it. Um, yeah, happy Thanksgiving, Chuck. Oh, right. I'm supposed to yeah. tell people yeah. where to find me. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, all the socials, basically, Jay Gamut. Um, so... Yeah, Twitter, well, Twitter, if it's still there, I should probably look. Is Twitter even still there now? Um, Instagram, uh, on Mastodon, I'm at mastodon.social. And um, there's all these other services, social networks that are out there that we all keep signing up for. Yes, I've, I've grabbed Jay Gamut at all those places. So who knows where else I'll be next week?
Isn't that the truth? That's about how fast it's happening, Jeff. Wow. Yeah. Thanks for being here. It's Happy always thanks. a blast. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. The guy with the turkey in the background, <laughs> Mr. Fuccio. You're talking about our presidents or the animal? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm not identifying anything. I'm just saying there's a turkey in the background. Okay, yes. We're we're not going to turn this political. Um, okay. Where where can we find you, Mark? Oh, you know, at uh, at Twitter, of course. You know, Elon Musk's baby. You know, so uh, still out there and. Uh, a lot of drama and screaming about it. It's all great, but it still works. At Mark Fuccio, M-A-R-K-F-U-C-C-I-O, or lowercase one word. Thank you, Mark. And happy Thanksgiving. Um, yes, I'm sorry. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, yes. I was so anxious to hear from Webb that I almost missed the happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Webb, where can folks find you? Uh, thank you, Chuck. Um on Twitter, uh, Web Bixby, Web with one B, um, and uh, one word, so W-E-B-B-I-X-B-Y. On Facebook, it's Web Bixby, two words, W-E-B and B-I-X-B-Y. Thank you, Chuck, and happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Thank you for being here. Last but absolutely not least, we started out with him at the beginning of the show, and somehow he dropped the whole way to the bottom of the screen. <laughs> Eric, happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for being here. Where uh, Where can we find you? Happy Thanksgiving. Um, I can be found at on Twitter at EA Bolden um, and, and Mastodon, EA Bolden at MAS.TO. Excellent. Thank you. Folks, happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Uh, if you're listening to this after the fact, uh, it will obviously be, we hope you had a great Thanksgiving because it'll be a little while before this hits the feeds. But, you know, we hope that uh, you, you enjoyed the conversation and had a terrific weekend with family and friends. And if you're not in the U.S. or not celebrating Thanksgiving, we just hope you have a great long weekend period. So wherever you are, happy Thanksgiving. Have a great weekend, whatever. Thanks so much. Uh, this is Mac Voices Live. Thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode you will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.